0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to pumping, cause it's 30 days the time, baby. Rip City is jumping now. Okay, Brindle up the middle. Come on, everybody! All right, everybody, welcome to the 261st edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man.
1: Say chilling here. I got 200th place in a tournament on uh, NBA 2K out of like the entire Xbox community. So I feel pretty good about myself and where my game is at in terms of 2K. So uh, I feel good about that. I don't feel good about the Blazers, but at least I'm confident in 2K.
0: That is that. That is elite. Two, top 200 with how many damn people play that that basketball game. Uh, that that is elite. So I am proud to call you my elite 2K friend.
1: I, I sent you the the highlight clip of me. I, I watch shut.
0: them every time. <laughs> I like them on IG. I am here to support you.
1: Thanks, man. As I as I'm the least consistent content creator in the game. I have not played on the new version of 2K on on any streaming site. But I appreciate you and your support.
0: So you bum rushed me last episode. Bum hop I'm yeah. gonna bum rush you about something near and dear to my heart. And that's Christmas cookies. I need your mount rush more of Christmas cookies. Like it's it's the season. You can tell you can bake it, you can buy it, you can tell, ask your mom, your grandma, lady across the street, anybody. I need these four cookies. What are you getting? So when
1: I was a young man. But um I had a I was a music nerd for a long time, bro. I got a choir scholarship to Portland State. So you still
0: are, my friend.
1: I know. I just try and <laughs> I try and lie to the people of the holy backboard about my not nerd up. So when I was a young man, I had a babysitter who made these awesome sugar cookies, like on point recipe. So she moved to the New England area like when I was 10. So I haven't had those sugar cookies in over two decades, but that would be number one. So Judy's sugar cookies. And then I don't know, like. That's number one with a bullet without a doubt. Um, And then whatever my mom picks up from the quote
0: unquote artisan bakery in Medford, Oregon is two through five. Well, one, it's, there's four people on on the Mount Rushmore. So I'm looking for four cookie options. So you already failed that one. Okay. Since you copped out, I mean, I at least gave you a line last episode from Money Trees. I I came correct. If I am doing a Mount Rushmore of Christmas cookies. And so it's a little bit of a, not a caveat or a cop-out, but like, these are cookies that you really want for the season. Like you can have a chocolate chip cookie old time. And it's fantastic. Like these are the cookies that yes. Seasonality for me, if I'm talking Christmas cookies is key. Yes. I agree. A fantastic sugar cookie with frosting is hundred percent on my Mount Rushmore. There was a neighbor who lived across the street from my parents' house. She would always bring over sugar cookies with frosting and those hit the spot every single time. Like Better than my mom's, better than anybody I've ever had. Like, I don't know how she did it, but they were flawless. They are up there. I think you also have to get a gingerbread cookie, especially if you can get some uh, cream cheese icing on them. Those are fantastic. I love gingerbread. It's also very key to the season. And then two new entries on the list were something that Olga made last year. One was a chocolate cookie with a cream cheese icing, but also crushed up candy canes on top. So, I love chocolate cookies. Cream cheese is like one of the best things in the world. And then you get the peppermint from the candy cane, Unreal. And then I'm also a huge eggnog fan. So, she made an eggnog cookie and an eggnog frosting. And that was marvelous. So, th- those are my top four. And unfortunately, our oven decided to crap out prior to Thanksgiving. So, it's in the process of getting repaired. So, We are doing the artisan route this year. There's a bakery in North Portland that we bought one of our pies from this Thanksgiving, which was fabulous. I have no doubt their cookies are going to be fantastic as well. So it'd be a little bit different in the the Haas household this year, but it's going to be just as delicious. So uh, I'm a big eggnog and Christmas cookie aficionado. So So that's the best part of the season for me.
1: How did she get the... I feel like when I've had eggnog cookies... It doesn't really taste eggnoggy. It's like a tinge of it. How do you make it hard body like this is eggnoggy?
0: So you kind of have to up your game and you got to go to one of those stores, whether it's a a Whole Foods or a New Season, someone that's going to have like a good variety of eggnogs. And you got to shell out. You got to go buy those those bottles that that are like nine, ten dollars and they're from some farm and they say it, that's all they do is they make eggnog. Yes. You're paying a lot for the bottle, but that, that if that eggnog hits and it's delicious, your cookie is going to be delicious. Like, I I think that's, uh, that, that was a big key. And also like, she's just really good at kind of like improvising and like, you know, okay, this has too much sugar. I think, yeah, you don't want to put too much sugar because the sugar is going to kind of overpower. So why the sugar let the eggnog come through it almost it's almost like a eggnog flavored sugar cookie with that that icing as well so yeah it's awesome so not this year but next year we'll make some and uh we'll get together and I'll, I'll let you uh get a taste test
1: yeah i mean like goddamn i'm i'm so behind on the eggnog or you know you know uh holiday treat game do they have dairy free
0: eggnog so they have a ton of dairy-free eggnogs. Oh, you yeah. can get the almond milk one, oat milk ones. Uh, they're not. So I they're try to good. go dairy-free as much as possible. I make an exception for eggnog because we have a couple of those in there and it just didn't hit. And it, didn't <laughs> it didn't hit. It didn't hit. And Olga and I both, like dairy can be challenging, but we found one. I think it was at New Seasons and it said like digestible dairy on it. And I was like, well, shit, if it says it on here, I'm going to roll with it. And that was some of the best eggnog I've ever had. And didn't no full disclosure. Your boy didn't get backed up, so I feel hey, like we're, as rolling we're getting dice, older. Coming up sevens. Coming up sevens, baby. As we're getting
1: older, we talk about what foods fuck us up more on this podcast every every week. It's like <laughs> your your dairy habits of mine is coming up.
0: <laughs> I mean, you you know it, Sage. Sometimes you it just tastes too good. You have to roll the dice. Like you want that blizzard. You're like, goddamn! It it may hurt me in four hours, but right now, you oh
1: man! In four hours, damn you, iron stomach, motherfucker! Twenty minutes.
0: (laughs) Oh, geez, yeah, it's not that bad for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Doug, just think about you know cows in Asia. Like there weren't cows in Asia for a long time. So, like I read a study, like ninety percent of Asian people are lactose intolerant just because of like dna and you know how cows weren't really there so uh, my mother can drink milk i don't know if my brother can i guess he doesn't show off to me very much but i know i shouldn't so
0: (laughs) yeah for for me it's just the older i get the uh, you just find out more and more shit that's wrong with you
1: i'm perfect so (laughs) except for the lactose intolerance and singing if i'm a
0: rich man on this very podcast but uh well all right i think that was a really good introduction a little icebreaker that i wanted to kind of bombard you with uh to return the favor but let's get into this episode sage it's been a rough uh week in rip city the blazers kick things off it was a short squad no Ant, Nas, Dame, or CJ against the Clippers. The Clippers get the 12-point victory and, more importantly, the 3-1 season series advantage for possible tiebreaker scenarios come this spring. Portland then lost on national television, albeit they kept it close and respectable to one of the best uh, teams in the NBA and, I would say, the NBA's MVP front runner at this stage in the season in Steph Curry. Defense. Defense player of the year, Draymond Green. Absolutely. They lost to the Warriors 104-94. And then just this evening, uh, the Blazers without CJ McCollum again, and now Cody Zeller, took a pretty tough loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves at home, losing 116-111. to Sage, the Blazers are now 11th in the Western Conference. At 11 and 16, they are owners of the second longest losing streak in the NBA at five straight. They are two and eight in their previous 10 games in that once sparkling home winning home home record is now just sitting at 10 and five when it was 10 and one probably about a week ago. So despite all of that, Sage, I'm going to have to ask you, what is your good for the week? So.
1: You know, like, as I was watching the Minnesota game, I was like, shit, I don't have a good. There there were some mini-goods, like I think Smith Jr. played well. Uh, Ben McLemore shined when opportunities happened. Norman Powell looked like a good usage player. When you talk about DSJ and you talk about Ben McLemore, in NBA games, there's always going to be a distribution of usage you know, when we're healthy, it's Damon CJ. When we're a little bit injured, it's Norman CJ and Yusuf. When all of those are gone, it goes to Dennis Smith, who is a high usage point guard. So it didn't surprise me that Smith did well, and it didn't surprise me that Ben McLemore did well. He can shoot when he's wide open, and that's what he got. He got, they generated a lot of easy open shots for him. So that was, I mean, those were goods, but my number one good for the week, and I'm not talking about the Blazers, but my favorite MC, Cannabis, released an album, and it's the first one in four years, so I'm very happy. And uh, the producer that did most of the beats actually worked with his voice because in a lot of his records, they don't sound good because the producer and the MC didn't properly beat map the uh, album. This one, the beats are hard, and it matches with... Uh, cannabis's voice. So that is my good for the week.
0: Yeah. I mean, to your point about Ben McLemore, he really has kind of taken that playing time and, and ran with it and made a case for, Hey, why don't you trade a couple of guys in front of me? And I'll just slide right in here, generate these shots for me. I'm knocking them down. You go back to Wednesday's game. He's got 12 points on a three of seven shooting from downtown did that in just 25 minutes of action. Tonight, he was the microwave, instant offense, 15 points in 15 minutes, five of six from downtown. In his past two games, he's eight of 13, well over 50%. And all of those looks are primarily wide open. He is the prototypical type of shooting guard that you want next to a Damian Lillard. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. He doesn't dribble. He just finds the open spot. He catches, he shoots, he scores. So I think if you're looking for something to build upon, whether it's this year or retaining uh, Macklemore for, for next season, he is going to be 29 years old, so he still fits that timeline. But there, you can see there's still an NBA player left in, in that body, given his, his body of work, when he's given a chance to shine. You know, Maybe he doesn't do everything else at a high level, but again, when you're talking about a player who was probably third or fourth on the depth chart, it's always good to see them kind of rise to the occasion and go out there. And honestly, without Ben McElmoore tonight against the Timberwolves, it, it we gets, ugly. yeah, it, it, it gets really ugly. So uh, I think Ben McElmoore is is a very good selection for um, when we're talking about the good things that happened this week. Mine is Nasir Little, and thankfully that Golden State game was on television, so I got to see my main man Nasir uh, play and. 18 points. I believe it was a career high, 18 points, just in the first half alone, five of eight shooting. So he's not taking a, a lot of shots. He got to the line 10 times. I mean, he hits 10, 10 of 10 from the free throw. He's at 22 points. You know, he only shot 60%. So there's something for him to improve upon, but the six boards, he's shooting two of four from three. He was in attack mode every time he got the basketball, like the prototypical, Triple threat, you know, he's able to dribble, pass, or shoot, and he played with that mindset. Clearly, he knew somebody had to take, the take. I, I think, the game by the reins. There was no Dame, CJ, or Anthony Simons. So he knew that he was going to get an opportunity, and unfortunately, he started cramping up. Maybe he went a little too hard coming back from injury, and I think that's always going to be the knock on Nasir, is that a lot of times he gets – hurt and these these just random injuries kind of sideline him and thankfully he was able to come back and he had you know 10 points on again 57% shooting against the Timberwolves and he's blaming on people like he's taking it to the rack he's he's aggressive I think he's everything you want in a small forward you know I tweeted it out after that Golden State game that Nasir Little is the starting small forward moving forward like it just has to be I don't care what guards are healthy This 21-year-old prospect is showing enough that he deserves the starting job. Not only has he deserved it, but I think he complements the other players on the court in that he does things that no one else on this roster can do. At his size, he's the only one that can put the ball on the floor and finish at the rim with authority. You know, Dame will have one or two dunks maybe every season. But Nasir's going up there at 6'5 and 220. He's got more size and weight on Lillard that he's able to do it. And he's younger. He's spry. He hasn't taken all those hard hard falls that Dame has. Like Nasir gives you that extra look that defenses have to prepare for. He can catch and shoot. He can put the ball on the floor. He can finish in traffic. He can finish on the break. He's one of the only players who kind of gets out and goes. And instead of flying to the three-point line, he's like, no, let me go and finish with a highlight jam that's going to get the crowd and the team just excited. I I feel like his energy as well, if you look at that type of an intangible that he brings to the roster, I don't care who's coming back healthy at the guards. Nasir Little, if I am Chauncey Billups, he is your starting small forward and you make that decision. You tell him that you say, this is your role. And we're going to roll because I, what, whatever happens this season, not looking good, but at 21 years old, you can start laying the foundation with building blocks of what Nasir Little is doing right now. And I think a smart organization looks long-term and they see what can happen a season, two seasons from now, and and then they plan accordingly. So that's what I would do if I was the head coach. uh, If I was the the general manager, I, I think Portland has a really bright, a bright spot in the season in Nasir Little. And that was easily my good for the week.
1: It's tough with Nasir because you have to have shooters surrounding him. Because right now on the scouting report, it's sag on Nasir. So you need to have the right spacing. But if, like, if we can replace Tony Snell minutes with Ben McLemore minutes and fiddle it around i think that he could be a really shining star it's just i would love for him to get into the lab and get that corner shot down or get a, a some sort of some sort of move that will make people respect the shot because they don't respect the shot currently one of the funniest moments in my eyes of that warriors game was when everyone when when nasir was hurt in the second half Norman Powell was getting triple teamed. He looked around at who was on the court with him and just chucked it up because I, he did not trust the the players on the court would actually make the right move. It was just like,
0: I feel you, bro. I feel you. It, it, it's rough out there. Also, can we give a shout out to that block he had in the first half? I mean, that was one of the best blocks I've ever seen. Like he went up there and just stonewalled Golden State and that, you you want a player who is not afraid to be on a poster. He has that, that mindset. And I I wish more players in Portland did, because I think we would be sitting um, a lot more prettier. And and to your point about the spacing, yes, that's the scouting report and that's probably the weakness in his game, but his jump shot from where it was when he was a rookie to where it is now, I I think is shows the the, the trajectory of, of the type of player that he can be. And it's, I'm happy with him taking threes. And I think he's he's the type of player. I think he's the type of player. He's a Will Barton type of player where he works his ass off and you're going to start to see him progress and improve on a year by year basis. Portland just has to make sure that he's doing that in a blazer Jersey and not in a nuggets Jersey.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's tough, man. I think for right now, his where his trajectory is really nice role player. So he needs to master, you know, that shot to be semi-consistent. And then I think he can focus on other stuff like the playmaking, but that that shot needs to be there for the spacing because it it would suck to, especially since Larry Nance is going to be the starting power forward, to have Yusuf, Larry, and Nasir, three non-shooters playing basketball. I mean, what are we trying to do? Be the Detroit Pistons with those three bigs like Josh Smith, Moose, and uh, Dre Drummond, like that's where we're at in terms of spacing the court right now with Chauncey Billups' uh, new
0: move. What was your bad for the week?
1: What my bad was was Damian Lillard coming back from an injury that kept him out a few weeks and then playing 36 minutes when it was obvious that he wasn't prepared to play an NBA game. So I don't know if that's my bad or ugly, but it was re- it was not a good sight to see. It's it it kind of is develop young players and not rush back your 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 core when we're losing. I know that Dame wants to participate, but he wasn't he wasn't Damian Lillard. That was just a distract like he was just the distraction on the offensive end. He wasn't the same Damian Lillard. So I think that it might be a good idea to rest him, but playing 36 minutes. Seemed kind of outrageous, especially when Nasir capped out at 20, I believe. Like, it it was obvious that Nas was on a minutes restriction. How come Damien also wasn't on a minutes restriction?
0: So I was going to save this until the end, but it just, it's a perfect transition into the fan question that we got from from at Kalarkoyoga. So if I mispronounced your name, I apologize. The, the name on it is... Uh, Uh, Blazers and Shambles. So apt, aptly named. So the question was, since we're talking about the Minnesota game, since we're talking about Damian Lillard, it's a true parter for you, Sage. Why was Robert Covington playing in the last four minutes? And should Dame just rest until they make a real move? Let's discuss the second part of that question first, because it was what you were talking about.
1: I I probably would, but I want Damian to be, healthy and it was obvious tonight that he wasn't so I would I would suggest resting him until until he's as healthy as every other player in the NBA currently so I would rest him until that I don't know if a move is going to be the thing I think it's his health and his movement if if he can play and be unhampered by the ab injury that's been a, a factor in his life for three years shit play him but this version of Damian Lillard isn't going to get us many wins.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I've been on the the rest Dame wagon for a a long time. Hearing that he's been dealing with this injury for multiple years is just a really big red flag for me, especially when you're looking at a player crossing over that, that age 30 Mark and then now going into his mid thirties, you know, Damian Lillard will be 32 um, this summer And when you look at where Portland is at right now, they're not a contender. They may not even make the playoffs if if they do. Who knows what type of damage they're even capable of doing. And so this is where I go back to talking about the long-term approach. This franchise has always been short-term. I mean, I I remember Brandon Rory playing eight days after having, you know, his knee scoped for a, a meniscus tear. Now that could have been Brandon knowing that, He had nothing left in the tank, and he just wanted to go or whatnot. But either way, the Blazers have always made those short-term decisions when the long approach would have been beneficial. I look back to the Warriors of 1920 when Steph Curry breaks his wrist early on and the team just went in the toilet. They ended up trading D'Angelo Russell. Draymond Green got nicked up. They, there was no need to rush Steph back for that that shit show, and, and it paid off, right? They ended up getting the number two pick in the draft. You can argue whether it should have been Wiseman or Ball, but they had the opportunity. They had that trade chip, and unfortunately for them, they did not have a good season that year. But what did it do? It started lighting that like Steph was like, I didn't get to play in, in the bubble. Like that's really what's igniting this, I think, second gear that, that he's showing in the over the past two seasons. And, and what happens? They are now the, the second best team in the Western Conference. Steph's the MVP. On, uh, Draymond Green is completely revitalized and engaged and playing like the defensive player of the year. They, they don't even have their number two pick playing. He's he's coming back from, from injury, and Clay Thompson's waiting in the wings. But they're, they took a step back to take steps forward. I just feel like if Damian continues to play – and, and let, let, let's not cut corners here. This is not the Damian Lillard of the bubble where he won bubble MVP. This is not even Dame last year when he was putting up 55 in game five against Denver. For whatever reason, Dame hasn't been the same. He looked pretty subpar in the Olympics, and he's only had a couple of games this year where you're like, okay, that's Damian Lillard. He does not look the same. It could be all of the the mental, I think, just stress that he's dealing with being the center of the NBA media storm about all of these trade rumors and constantly having to address them whatever it is, he's not really doing himself any favors. He's not doing the team any favors by, by being out there. I know he's a competitor and he wants to play. You want that in, in a player, but you also need leadership from management, from ownership to say, dame, this isn't worth it. like to to um the questions point, if you're able to make a big move, yes get Dame that rest and then let him play and see what you have and kind of use it as a kickstart for next year. But if you're not able to make that move, I think the best thing that Joe Cronin could do is sell Damian Lillard on just let's have a pseudo rest year. I, I know that he will never go for it, but if if the GM has to not only be analytics cap driven, he has to have relationships and it starts with some of the players especially your your superstar and say this is my this is my vision like if we're able to get a lottery pick i'm not saying you're playing with a lottery pick but that gives me another chip to go get you that ben simmons i know you want to play with those type of guys but we don't have those assets right now so i it's going to have to be a lot of convincing because dame's going to want to play and I know that's just how he's raised, but it, it doesn't do him any favors because you're possibly re-aggravating an injury or an injury of any other sorts. And from Portland's perspective, if he keeps playing like this, he's kind of if you if you do decide to, to move him, his value is down. Like I know they came out and said that they're, they're not moving him. Of course, they're not going to right now, but you know, you have to be some, you have to have some awareness. You have to see some of the writing on the wall. Like there, there is a possibility like this could come to, you know, a a boiling point at at some point, but this, this team needs leadership. It's been lacking leadership since Paul Allen, um, you know, passed away in the fall of 2018. Who is going to be that? Who's going to be that voice? I I don't know. I I think what's going to happen is Dame's going to continue to play. And I think it's, we're not going to get the same Dame as we had. And And, we're going to win just enough
1: games to give away our pick. Probably.
0: Yeah. Or
1: yeah. Or not get a better better
0: lottery pick. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like when I look at this class, there's guys that just fit like a glove with Damian Lillard in a skill set. Like, The guy from Auburn, Jabari Smith, would fit with Dame like a glove. Thank God I said his name right. In my head, I kept thinking Jabari Greer, Jabari Greer. No, that's a Saints corner. Jabari Smith, like he would fit with a superstar like Dame so well, like movement shooting, 6'10 wing. That's kind of what we need in this new NBA, especially now that we have four, six, three guards, having a 6'10 sharpshooter. That would help. So yeah, I I, de- I definitely agree. I definitely think that we should rest him and at least until he's fully healthy. Because even in those interviews today, he was like, "Yeah, I mean, if you compare where I was to where I am now, I'm a, a whole lot better." But I, st- you know, it's still an injury. Like, let's let's wait until he says I feel good and I look good before even thinking about playing him. Like him going three for fourteen from three doesn't really help us. Like. And probably should get more of those shots, especially when Dame's not playing at his, you know, at where Damian Lillard is
0: used to be playing. And this isn't the NBA that, that we grew up in, Sage, right? This isn't like where players retired at 32, 34, like when you have like Isaiah Thomas and Larry Bird, you know, retiring pretty pretty early on in by today's standards, like you've got LeBron still performing at a high level about to be 37. You've got Kevin Durant playing like Chris an MVP in, in his 30s. You've got Steph playing like an MVP in his 30s. Like Dame's been Mr. Durable. I w- I think he still has a lot of really good basketball left in him. It's just getting him that rest so he's able to have the, the gas in his tank at, at 33, 34, 35. Like Portland just has to approach this with, with a lot of of caution and really think long term about where they want to be. If you want to win with Dame, you maybe have to take a step back this year. You just you just have to do it. I, I know some of the fans aren't gonna want to hear it. I, I know probably Dame doesn't want to hear it, and the players that they, of course, they want to win, but the best organizations are the ones that have self-awareness. And so we'll see what type of organization Portland is. Um, moving forward. But to yeah, the second part man. of to the second part uh, of the question specifically about tonight's game, why was Robert Covington playing in, in the last four minutes, in your opinion, Sage?
1: I think Nasir was on a minutes limit coming back from an injury. Wasn't it a lower leg injury? Yes. An ankle? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna pace him out. So
0: yeah, that, yeah Portland, that was a minutes restriction. Portland went really small. I believe it was Nance Covington Simons Powell. And um, Dane.
1: So I I think that Robert Covington, you look at the stats, and they're not really impressive, but I think the way that he played, especially getting defensive statistics, like he had five steals or blocks. Like he was involved in the game in in a way statistically that he hasn't been all year. So I think rewarding him for playing well and then not having somebody that like Nasir that you want to give minutes to was the reason that he was uh was in in the last
0: five minutes yeah and this is kind of the the point of the roster the the imbalanced roster where I look at and I'm like why wasn't yeah why wasn't Ben McLemore in and he was like oh well you have Dame who's coming back you're not going to bench Dame Ant has been almost you know one of the best six men you're paying Norman Powell 18 million dollars you can't also play Ben McLemore out there it's all your players, all your best players are fucking 6'4 guards. Like that's 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 tough. I, I do think Nurk should have been in. Nurk should have matched towns. Like as soon as Covington came in, they, they ran a post-up play and Dame got switched on towns, and towns just turned and, and put it up and in. Like
1: even when know. Yusuf was in, he wasn't guarding Carl Anthony Towns, though. So
0: but you have to have a, a bigger body. So you have you know? to have someone to match him physically. Yeah.
1: Like if we had a six ten power forward that was athletic, like um like a Bam Adebayo or Onyeka Okonwu. Yeah, well, we're fine putting an athletic specimen on Carl anthony Towns and he'll probably get frustrated. But it was like we would switch and we wouldn't help on Carl anthony Towns. And it was just the same shit happening every time where we don't help that the the small guard getting posted up by a fucking, <laughs> by, by, by a post that's, Like, really good at scoring. So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a weird strategy, but I get get why Cove was in, because he was producing at a level, at least defensively, that this was his best defensive game statistically this year, easily.
0: So that was a long bad. It tied in perfectly with the fan question that we had. My bad for the week, just the injuries that are Mm -hmm. really piling up here in Rip City. You've got CJ McCollum, who is out for indefinitely. He has a collapsed lung. I believe he was on the sidelines tonight. So that is good to see, but very scary stuff. You obviously wish nothing but the best for CJ. He's also awaiting the birth of his first child. So, you know, just sending all of our our positive thoughts out to CJ and his, his wife, Elise. So you're out with your your second best player is out indefinitely. And then who could have foresaw this, Sage? Like this popped up on my timeline out of nowhere. Apparently, Cody Zeller, uh, this is quote unquote from the Trailblazers press release, upon further evaluation, imaging has revealed Portland center Cody Zeller with a small right patellar fracture. Decap.
1: Oh, one thing about Robert Covington, I underestimated his defensive impact. Five steals, nine, oh, five steals, four blocks. So nine stocks. That, that That's why he was in the last four minutes.
0: So c- back to Cody Zeller, he'll be evaluated in one week. He's been pretty durable until he hit the age of 25, but a lot of fans said this is the risk you run when you only have two players in the rotation over 6'10", Zeller and Nurkic, both are injury-prone. Cody Mm -hmm. Zeller, after the age of 25, so we're talking about the 2017-2018 season, plays 33 games. The next season, 49. The shortened pandemic season, 58 last season, 48 games of 72. So he's not even coming anywhere close to playing full seasons or 90 or 80 percent of of his team's games. He's an injury prone player, and now Portland is left with One Yusuf bit. Nurkic kind of holding down the fort, who's been injury prone himself, who has been known to get into early foul trouble as well. And you just don't have the size. You're you're even smaller up front. So it's almost like a, what can go wrong will go wrong season in Portland.
1: Because of who was available. Robert Govington played well and played more minutes than we were expecting. I do want to shout him out for playing really good ball after the discipline, like going from the starter for a year and a year and change to coming off the bench. Good fit for him from actually producing, but this is important. With how COVID is affecting the NBA, we need to use all potential roster spots to uh, run this the rest of the season, especially since Dames hurt, CJ's hurt, and Cody Zeller's hurt, and then there's players recovering from injuries. We need to use these roster spots. There's no need to be have a, a, an empty roster spot for a potential trade that may or may not happen.
0: I don't want to be disrespectful, but there's no reason uh, Trenton Wat- Watford should, should have played in, in NBA basketball tonight. Like that, that's where we're at with the roster is it feels like 2020 all over again when you've got Jalen Horde and Moses Brown getting actual NBA minutes when they should be playing G League minutes. So they should Cron- be
1: the Portland G League right now. playing. Yeah.
0: So Joe Cronin better get off his ass and start getting to work. That's, yeah. that's all I, I'm going to say uh, about that. Sage, what is your ugly for the week?
1: I would have to say the injuries would have to just become the ugly. If, if rotation minutes is bad, just injuries putting players in positions where they sh- aren't ready to succeed in is the ugly. I mean, that there isn't that many positives. And the two uglies was injuries and bad rotations. So
0: it so is I think- what it is. The ugly is a NBA level ugly, and it's the NBA and the coronavirus. The NBA is frankly doing a horrible job at, at it you right See the now. Bulls roster. The Bulls have an outbreak. The Charlotte Hornets have oh, an outbreak. Oh, yes they do. Uh, you're starting to hear announcers, Stacey King and Bill Weddington for the Bulls have it. Uh, Rick Carlisle, I, I believe, had it. M- Masai Ujiri from the Toronto sure. Raptors, yeah. as the general manager, is getting it. Um, John ja Morant, who has been vaccinated and had the booster, is now in in protocols. Like, I, I think it, it's wild to me that the NBA didn't have this level of outbreaks. You know the Wizards had it last year when there was no vaccine until like more than halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. But they had those really tight restrictions on the road. It seems like it, it they just lifted all those restrictions and they said, "Yeah, we hope you get vaccinated." But it's a free for all. I think the NBA Players Association and the NBA, they're going to have to iron out some agreement to make things mandatory or tighten up restrictions. I already know. Protect the players. Protect the protect the, the workers, too, that are traveling yeah, I mean, with them, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. it you got to protect everybody who's, you know, putting their lives on the line to provide this entertainment for you and I and everybody else. But it's crazy with the Bulls how infected they are. They brought in two players to become their, you know, exemption, uh, hardship exemption, and then they both got COVID. Like, something is really wrong with with uh, Charlotte and Chicago. I, like, I, I remember Chicago, uh, Charlotte, Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball were out. So Smith was going to run point, and then Ishmith got in. So
0: they have so many players that are – currently have I- I- in COVID protocols. It's- I mean, the NBA isn't doing anything. It's really because of Canadian law. So, the NBA, so according to Woj, NBA teams were informed on December 7th that unvaccinated players will no longer be allowed to travel to Toronto to play in games beginning January 15th. So new Canadian law mandates that all visitors entering the country be vaccinated. I, I, I do. I think the NBA needs to take a, a stand and make sure that all of their players not only vaccinated, but, but they have the booster and it's, it's, it's getting ugly. And the NBA is really the only league that's, that's seeing this right now. It, it didn't really happen in college football. Only one college football game got, got canceled or excuse me, rescheduled this year. And that was between Cal Cal Berkeley and uh, Southern Cal the nfl i you're you're not seeing a whole lot of players missing games because of the coronavirus either and there are more teams and more players per team so i don't know if the nba needs to start implementing a, a rule where if a team can't field enough players that they now have to forfeit the the contest and and maybe the the threat of a blemish on the record will encourage players to be more safe and everybody around the organization to be more safe or 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 what? But it's getting pretty scary. And player safety and employee safety aside, because those are obviously clear uh, clear points that need to be addressed. No fan is going to want to watch the the Los Angeles Clippers take on. I don't know the Philadelphia 76ers in the finals and there's Joel Embiid just, just can't play because he's on the health and safety protocols. And then Paul George gets it. Like you're just, you're. it feels like we're going to end up with just two random teams in the finals. Like whatever team can stay the healthiest, like the games this year have been so weird. And I think it's reflected in the standings because half these teams can't field healthy rosters and, It's taking, I think, a lot of the credibility and legitimacy away from the regular season. Maybe it's the it's the new normal moving forward, but it kind of sucks. Like there are a lot of players missing in action. And it's it's something the NBA has to figure out because every two to three months, a new variant is basically forming its own super team and it's coming to attack, you know, everyone in its in its sight. So i really think they if if they're not going to be able to agree on vaccination at the very least they need to agree on tighter restrictions on the road because it's it's scary that this this thing isn't isn't like the flu like you have to be careful even if you're with people who are are unvaccinated or, or you're going to you know events like you listen to this podcast you know where we stand on on the issue like you need to be safe you need to continue to wear wear your mask i know people probably tired of it but Sage, I don't want to get this shit and I don't want to see any player get it or any person working a game get it. Like this, this is this Our is real game. life. And uh, it goes bigger than than the entertainment on on the floor. So, you know, the, the NBA, you know, for as progressive of a league as there is out there, they are it feels like they're they're behind on this. And that that's kind of it's kind of a shame. And I think they need to, I think Adam Silver, he's going to this is gonna be one of his his legacy points when you know he ever retires they're going to look back on this as an either as an accomplishment or a major blemish on his, his resume. So we we discussed what happened this week in terms of our, our main main points, but there was also a lot of things that came out, even though the Blazers didn't play a lot of games, they had that Mm -hmm. long break between Wednesday's Warriors game And then tonight's game on Sunday against the Timberwolves sage. What are your thoughts on, on Joe Cronin? He was introduced in a press conference. It it seems like from all points he's been giving, he is going to be given a chance to uh, get that permanent general manager title. It's been reported. The Blazers have not had any interviews with outside candidates. Um, Seems like he's saying the right things so far. You know, he has the plans to quote unquote enhance the current roster. Uh, you know, via the athletic here's here's a quote. You know, he says the organization wants to win. There are times when you have to take a step back in order to take a step forward, and we are not convinced that this is that time yet. Our approach today is not a retool or a rebuild; it's an enhance. We haven't discussed one time about taking a step back. He followed that up later with a quote that says, I was built for this big words for a first time GM, someone who has risen through the ranks as an interim, as an intern, excuse me, in 2006, worked under Kevin Pritchard. And then also with Neil Olshay. Sage, he's saying the right things so far, but that quote in the athletics scares the hell out of me. If I am a blazer fan, because you know how I feel about this season and I I don't want him to make a desperation trade to keep his job. And that that's my biggest worry with Joe Cronen and especially with these injuries that are piling up and you've got all of the pressure from the media about Damian Lillard. So so what do you think? Do you think he's going to make a desperation trade? What are your worries? What are your hopes? Um, what are your overall thoughts on this? I mean, he
1: seems competent, but we don't, I mean, like here's the thing. We don't really know until he does something, what type of general manager he's going to be. Um, I'm hopeful that he's looking at what's happening with our roster and the injuries and set thinks that it's time to t- take a, t- a step back to take that step forward to uh, borrow it. What he was saying, um, you know, <clears throat> yeah, I, to be honest, I really don't know. Like he's saying the right stuff. I I it, the vibe in the uh, interview looked better than whenever Neil O'Shea did the fake water thing. So I have, I have more faith in him than Neil. So that by itself is a step forward for the organization, but his time will come to make some decisions. So right now he's, he better be grinding and studying in the lab of what option a through Z is. So uh, his time will come when we're going to see what kind of gut he has and his, his ability to handle stress does he handle it well or poorly all of this is going to come i don't know what he's going to do it's going to be very
0: interesting to see what he does yeah december 15th is the key calendar date on on the nba on the Mm -hmm. nba uh, schedule players who signed deals in the summer the majority of them are now able to be traded and portland is currently $3 million over the luxury tax. So there are pros and cons uh, to staying above that tax line. And they're all not just financial. You mean, it, if you get under it, you could open up the full mid-level exception for next year. Another long-term approach. I think just really what he said that scared me was they're not willing to take a step back because I think you can win with Damian Lillard by taking a step back and you can go next year. Uh, that, that's I don't like that, that outlook on one hand, I I'm all for giving Cronin a shot, especially, you know, he started 15 years ago as an intern and has grinded his way. He's up, put in up, the work. For he's sure. put in the work. So on one hand, yeah, give him a shot. On the other hand, I almost don't want anybody that had any scent of Neil O'Shea on their resume looking at this roster. I want complete fresh eyes. I want some other general manager candidates at least to be interviewed. That's the wild thing to me is that mm. they haven't even interviewed any candidates. So that to me speaks of lazy ownership. Jody Allen's like, yeah, we washed our hands of Neil O'Shea. I'm going to go worry about some other billionaire. Like, I don't like take care of this. Like my job here is done. And that that's just what it feels like to me. So it it's, it, it's tough because he could make a really game-saving trade like Chad Buchanan did, but Chad Buchanan took a step back. He had Gerald Wallace and was like, Gerald Wallace could help me win meaningful games now, but I know he's over 30 and he's declining. Let's see what I can get for the future. Traded them to New Jersey for a pick that turned out to be Damian mm-hmm. Lillard. That's a, that's the case where taking a step back worked and was the right move. So I, I don't like that quote. Really, the more I read it, the more it kind of irritates me. So I hope but Joe Cronin, Think about
1: how he is. It's like. I'm getting my first opportunity in the league. I The most prudent thing it would probably be to take a step back, but do the fans
0: really want to hear it right now? I don't know. Like, I mean, judging by how many people are, are in that building on a nightly basis, I, I really think fans want something to look forward to. And whether that's a, a, a draft pick, a, a young player, I think fans are – fed up the past three years that they've been fed. It's not the roster. It's not the roster. It's not the roster. They want changes. So even if it's moving Covington for, for a draft pick, or, you know, you're getting another young player that you can watch develop. I think the fans just want something new. And so I, I don't think he needs to make this Ben Simmons home run type of trade and sell the, 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 the next five years of the franchise just to go for it now. I think you have to, if you're Joe Cronin, I think he, he really needs to be smart here and say, what can I realistically do with my assets? You know, CJ going down hurts because you can't move an injured player. A lot of your players right now aren't really performing up to where you can trade them. Like Covington's value is tanked. Nance's value, you'd be lucky, I think, to get what your return on it was. Or your initial investment, excuse me, which was a first round pick. The players that upped their value, in this Nasir, are ones you want to build around. So therein lies the question do we trade young building blocks in Simons and Little to win now with Damian? I, I don't think you can have both. You cannot have your cake and eat it too in this scenario. I think if you're going to improve the roster, whether it's a Ben Simmons or a Miles Turner, let's throw Miles Turner in there just for a, a hypothetical trade. You're not just getting Miles Turner for Yusuf Nurkic. I think <laughs> you have to attach a player like Nasir, like Amferny, to get Miles Turner. And so then you have to say, was are, are we good enough with Dame and Miles Turner and Norm Powell? Like, do more moves need to be made? And now you've 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 lost Ant. You've also it, it's 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 a chicken or the egg. It's a very unenviable position that Joe Cronin is in right now. I'm fully aware of that, but the last question I think he needs to to answer is just how good at this stage in his career is Damian Lillard. And what I mean by that is I was, you know, Olga and I go for walks almost every day and we're, you know, decided to talk about the Blazers And I was like, if you have a player like Kevin Durant or Giannis or even LeBron, maybe a year or two ago, I think their sidekick could be just an all-star player, maybe a top 20 guy. And you can be championship contenders because those are the elite, the cream of the crop. I think Damien is a top 10 player, but I think Damien probably also needs a top 10 to top 12 player to contend. Like, I don't think you can just put Chris Middleton next to Dame and call it good. Like, I, I don't, that's not a knock on Lillard. I just don't think at this point in his career, he's at that level. Maybe if he gets healthy and we see bubble Dame return, but you, when we talk about building and winning now with Dame, I don't think a lot of fans are taking into consideration where he's at in his career and whether or not he's slowly Starting to come off of, of, of that peak, and I know it's a difficult conversation to have. It's difficult to even say because he's given this franchise everything. But to look at it realistically, you're going to need to find a top ten to top twelve player to say, "Yeah, Dame, we're going to go all in with you." And I just don't know how many of those players are a available right now, or b Portland would be able to attain them with their assets, given their draft capital is depleted, and they really only have two. Young pieces, and one of them is going to be uh, at least a restricted free agent next year, in Anthony Simon. So it's a really tough position to be in with Joe Cronin. I think the we said last year, Sage, the worst thing the Blazers could do would just be to run it back and get a new coach. That's what they did. The worst thing to do right now would be to make a desperation trade to make Dame happy, to really sell your next half decade for maybe a second round playoff berth. Like if you're going to go all in, you better fucking be able to go all in and and really make it. Otherwise you're going to end up like the Brooklyn nets with Paul Pierce and Darren Williams and Kevin Garnett and and that disaster that happened in Brooklyn. And you're not going to have the market that Brooklyn is to magically get a a KD and Kyrie a few years later, your Portland, Oregon, it's going to be tough. So I'm terrified, honestly, of what's. I know a lot of fans are excited. I am, am terrified at the decisions that, that that they may make.
1: Well, he hasn't gotten a chance to make those decisions yet. So, but I, I think with da- when you're when you talked about KD, Giannis, and LeBron, you mentioned the rarest commodity there is in the NBA with a alpha small forward that's six eleven that has guard skills. Damian is six three. He doesn't have that he doesn't have that margin for error that Giannis does every night Giannis can get 30 by rim running Dame can't afford that so yeah I, I think that it team building with Damian Lillard would be a lot harder than team building with Giannis like you get Chris Middleton who can shoot and kind of run offense Drew Holiday can lock up the opposing team's best player you kind of built something there. Dame, you have to have that guy that can stop everybody and you got to have like different pieces surrounding him. So the task is a lot different here in Portland. I mean, the uh, the lack of assets, obviously, the uh, the undersized nature and then the small market. So it's definitely going to be a challenge. But if he's as competent as he says and has grinded as hard as he can and has, I'm willing to give him a, uh the uh, the keys to the to the castle because at least in this few moments he's shown humility and class and the ability to treat people with uh, the respect that hasn't been shown by the Trailblazers organization in a very long time so he definitely has some tough decisions and obviously because of what Neil did the asset we can't offer like there's teams that are going to beat our best offer relatively easily. Like Oklahoma city, if they said, fuck it, let's compete would beat any of our offers. New Orleans. If they said, you know what, let's build something for Zion. They could beat any offer. So we're going to have to, it has to be, we have to build some assets for him to make a good team. And, uh, It is what it is. It's it's going to be... uh, The 15th is going to be a big day for us to see what happens.
0: And I do think the Blazers can build a really good team around it. It's just different Different. than uh, those superstars you mentioned. It's different, and I also think it takes... Creativity. It takes takes some creativity. It takes some fortitude. It it takes a long-term approach. Yes, I know I'm harping on this long-term approach, but what made the The early '90s Blazers so good. Their chemistry. They had played together for so long that they, they added Buck. That was the one real piece they added, and it, and it fit. But they had they had most of the puzzle already created. If you're saying, you know, Portland basically needs an entire new front court, basically with the depth and the starters. Like we if need to do everything except Damian Lillard. Yeah, it, it's, it's you're you're asking this team to just click right off the bat. and it, it just doesn't it happen. happen. What mm-hmm. what made that Western Conference Finals run so special was the pieces were laid there and they found the missing parts in Rodney and Ennis and they were able to, to make a run. But a lot of the players had, had been in the organization, in the system for, for years, multiple years, you're asking them to make these moves. And in today's instant gratification world, what happens if you get Miles Turner and it doesn't like work immediately? Like, is he going to be like, I'm going to be in a, my contract year next year. I, I want out. Or then you're going to play with Miles Turner in his contract year and try to build chemistry. Like it's, it's just so hard. And unless you're able to get that, that superstar next to Dame, because obviously talent can trump chemistry. Well, we'll just
1: think about the Miami, the heatles with Dwayne and LeBron and Chris. A while. They didn't win this championship year one. So if I, I would say the two of the most transcendent players ever couldn't make it work. Do you think Damon then Simmons is going to make it work year one? I don't think so.
0: Yeah. So he has got a lot of difficult decisions to make. I'm with you though. It's do you anybody's... want miles
1: Turner? Let's just talk I, about
0: it. Yes. At the right cost. I'm not going to overpay for miles Turner, but I th- Portland has to find a way to trade Yusuf Nurkic. they cannot let him walk, and then they cannot sign him. It's just it's time to move on.
1: I think that the front like uh, if we trade Yusuf for Miles, we have to trade uh, Robert Covington, Robert Covington and Larry Nance for something else. Well, too. They
0: have to be traded for Gar. I mean, the front yeah. court's just a nightmare Sage.
1: Because Miles Turner, great shot blocker, good shooter, atrocious rebounder, fucking atrocious. So if we're gonna be three six three guards, some random four and Miles Turner, we're going to be the worst team in the NBA because we can't grab a damn rebound. So if he does that trade, I better we better see an announcement of a different power forward being brought into the Blazers, like someone who gets gets them boards a lot. Like we get something for John Collins or something. So two, so we can make up for the deficiencies of miles Turner.
0: Well, also you mentioned three, six, three guards. I think that's out the books. I don't think they're going to move forward with, with that, that roster construction that Neil Olshay left behind. I think definitely one of the key priorities for Joe Cronin, at least in the interim is going to be to balance out the roster that that just has to be, because then you get some size out there. You're able to, to rebound, um, a a bit better, but yeah, I mean, it it was reported that Indiana is going to have a fire sale. I think you absolutely have to, to look at that. Like he's, he's a really good defender. He's younger than Yusuf. He helps space out the floor again. I, I think that that is a really good building block. Like you don't have to be, if you're trying to win with Dame, it doesn't have to be a home run off the bat. Like, you know, the pieces that you're able to move, and you can start to piece things together. Like Dame, as long as they take this year with caution, I think he's going to be around for a few years at, at a pretty high level. Miles Turner, I think, fits in with that timeline, and I think he's one of the better realistic available centers that Portland could get.
1: For sure. I, he just has deficiencies that is pretty, pretty glaring. So don't expect 20 points off you know, perimeter shots, and some shot blocks, shot blocks and ten rebounds. Very often, he is who he is.
0: Would and you prefer Demonis Sabonis or Miles Turner? Who's surrounding them? Doesn't Just for the Blazers. I mean, that's the thing. Sage. you're not just going to make one trade and the team's going to be fine. You're going to make multiple trades. Yeah, because Demonis Indiana. Who who do you who do you who do you call for? It's obviously less assets for Miles Turner. Correct. I don't think Portland has the assets for Demonis Sabonis. I'll be fully honest there. I don't
1: again if we traded for Demonis, we better have a defensive center coming out or a defensive power forward. So I I, I guess Miles Turner, but with the knowledge that we need a different power forward as soon as possible, I would take Miles. And then Karis Levert would. I'm not really interested in Karras because of his injury issues and how he doesn't contribute to things just like CJ and, and Norm, he just scores. So if we were making a trade for the Pacers, it would probably only be miles Turner and that that's it. I would love to have Muffin Brogdon on this team to replace somebody, but that probably isn't happening either. So
0: what's the most you'd give up for miles Turner?
1: Use of and a sweetener.
0: What's your sweetener? Oh, God.
1: See, I don't... I, I value Ant and Nasir more than I would value Miles Turner. Maybe a future pick, but we don't have any, so... I guess... I guess a future first-round pick in, like, four years? But we it, we don't have anything unless we... Unless we trade Robert Covington for a pick and then use that pick to trade for Miles Turner, I don't see it really happening.
0: Yeah. So then you're essentially trading, you're starting front court for just Miles Turner and now you're, you're And dead. How are
1: you going to get the power forward to match? Yep. Miles Turner?
0: Therein lies the, therein lies the conundrum, right? You know, you keep trying to make these trades and then you're like, well, I have to add this here, have to add this here, there pretty soon you're you go to turn to pick up an asset to trade there's nothing there. You're grabbing air. Yeah.
1: It it Pronin's in a very difficult decision uh, p- position. So like teams aren't stupid. They're not going to give away high valued assets for for our trash. We're going to have to give up something to get something. And the fact is we don't have any future firsts for a while. So Get what you can for Yusuf. Get what you can for Robert. Hope to God Damien's all right with chilling this year. And get a first-round pick that's good.
0: <laughs> and I, I think that is also and a what's, huge misconception in NBA world. Right? Where you're saying, oh, we're trying to win now. You, you can't draft someone and they're going to come in and... and Evan Mobley. Josh Giddy, Scotty Barnes, Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman—you're looking at late first round, second round talent. These are, are
1: players are better now than they have ever been. Role players now are better than they ever been.
0: We're not looking to draft the next Damian Lillard. Not what we're picking. You're getting Chris Duarte comes—he's ready to go for the Indiana Pacers. Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart—like these are the last two two drafts. Like Portland could have had these players. Herbert and Jones
1: a second round pick put it, playing 35 minutes a game, guarding the best player. There are more talented players today than there have ever been Absolutely. as, as the years go by play. People are getting bigger, stronger, faster, smarter, and technology is helping the game become way more efficient and it, treating injuries a lot more efficient. Having young players now is a more valuable asset than it's ever been. They're cheap, they're good, and they're hungry. So like, Even if we didn't pick who I wanted, like, could you imagine what the team would look like with some young guns ready to play? It's, it's yeah. I I think now more than ever finding a good player to mesh with Damian Lillard in the draft is hugely important.
0: Like, it's done the hard part. They have the top 10 player. Yeah. They have the top
1: 10 player. Finding players to mesh with them is the easy part. Neil O'Shea accidentally got Damian Lillard and then CJ McCollum. This easy sharp part should be. I said easy sharp. I hope I <laughs> but uh the easy part should be to get players that mesh with them. And Neil O'Shea really hasn't done that. So I'm I'm all in favor of Blazer fans watching watching college teams to see how their that star player can mesh with Damian Lillard. I think that's gonna be where a lot of Blazer fans find joy is if we don't trade this first round pick and we suck Pablo or Jabari or Jalen Duran, those guys are going to be who we're excited about in the future.
0: I have a question for you. If you were writing a letter to Santa Claus, what's your trailblazers wish? Like, what do you want for Christmas? Dame to be chill with sitting out this year
1: resting and then probably sucking because Dame's out and then CJ's gonna be recovering. And we kind of did what San Antonio did with Tim Duncan. We have a star player, he's just hurt, and then we find the uh the, the uh the the robin to Dame's Batman.
0: Have you, you been watching porch Bear? Yeah. You know to pass the torch.
1: Yeah, I'm with you Zwar. like Shed?
0: Do you have you watched Shed enough? I've only I've only watched a few Gonzaga and two games. But I, I, I like both of those players. I mean I think this draft is gonna be like like you said the drafts keep getting better and better and better because the players keep improving. Like we're we're in like a golden era of talented basketball players. Like the the talent level in the league is insane. Like I think they're probably going to have to expand here within the next half decade, just because there's so many talented players that are are coming out and you're finding so many gems in in the second round.
1: So yes, for me and where I am with my scouting process for the, the draft, I would go Pablo Chet and then Jabari Smith. That's where I'm at right now. I know Jalen Dern is good. The guy from Purdue's kind of scares me, but there are some really good players that mesh with what we have currently with Damian Lillard. So, I I, 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 my Christmas wish would be that Dame gets fully healthy. And I think rest, relax, relaxation, and recovery is the best way for him to get fully back to where he is.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's mine. So I'll elaborate a little bit. So it's not kind of the the same thing, but I still, I I go back to, to Steph and I go back to Draymond, just that time away from the game, just really revitalizing and rejuvenating them. And you can see it in how they're playing and they're, they're back to their, their old selves. And I, I, I think I think Dame is just getting bombarded mentally with everything that's going on from, from these rumors. I think honestly, just staying away, whether it's a couple of weeks or whatever, and just like not even following the team, just enjoying time with his family, hanging out, like just meditating, whatever, like just to hit the reset button, because I do think there is a lot of, mental things that are weighing on him and i know he he's a competitor and he wants to to grind through this but you know aside from you saying like your christmas wish being dame being cool with us just chilling i i also want to see portland get a, a good lottery pick this year because whether you pick that player and they contribute or you're able to see okay this superstar is available like oh player x is a top 15 guy we need them we also have a lottery we have an asset Mm. like you're you're starting to build up that chest to go and get that player to play next to dame so along those lines uh, you know I'm asking Santa hey can we get a first round pick for Robert Covington
1: can we trade
0: Yusuf Nurkic for you know somebody maybe a little bit more reliable that can can fit with this team whether that's you know Miles Turner, or you reverse it and you get Mason Plumley in a pick. Like I don't know, like replenish your assets. Like teams, when you're going after them, they don't care if the difference in talent is is a Mason Plumley or Yusuf Nurkic. They're like, how, "What picks can you give us?" Teams want picks. We have none. We need to replenish that. So, that, and can that's I be my...
1: real about Nasir and Ant? We talked about it a while ago. Those players are less valuable than a first-round pick because they've been in the league. Ants
0: looked great. Ants are going to get paid, so yeah. Yeah, you're
1: you're going to have to pay If you trade for them, you're going to have to pay them. That first-round pick could be anything. So the fact that we don't have that, that luxury thing that everybody wants is a humongous problem. We've been trading... First round picks away like they're worthless when they're the real treasure in the story. And with everybody getting big, bigger, stronger, faster, better, us having old, first, having old players to play with Dame isn't really as exciting as like Cole Anthony went from a bad player to a great player in one year. We don't have that. But yeah, I, I, just, I I would be cool trading the pick if, uh, um, if Jabari was off the board. But I, I really do think that he's the best
0: thing to uh, pair with uh, Damian. I think to go back to this season, one of the things we we looked at for a potential you know reason to be optimistic was, you know, back on November thirtieth. It, Portland kicked off a stretch of 15 of the next 19 at home. They're not taking advantage of that right now. They've lost four straight home games. Now you're at a, a point in this in that 15 of 19 where it's now 10 of 13 and the schedule kind of starts to to stiffen up a bit, and you've only played 12 road games. Well, you got 29 of those left in the season. You're already. 11 and 16, you're starting to see that separation in the top six seeds in the Western Conference. Now you're really looking at the, the, the unenviable task of looking up at teams like Dallas and Denver, just to get home court advantage for one of the first play in games. I mean, that that's where we're, we're at right now. You're starting, you start to fall even more. It becomes even more bleak. So I just hope they they look at the schedule and they look at where the team's at and I know it's an 82 gamer and you can get hot like like the suns did. but for a team that's one and eleven on the road, if they're stopping their their home magic, I don't really know where else a lot of these wins are gonna come from. So again, just just to be be self-aware it's it's gonna be it it's gonna be tough. Especially with CJ sidelined, because again, you're not getting his production, or you're not getting his potential trade value, because teams just aren't going to trade for a player that's hurt. And this Cody Zeller news, I don't think enough fans are talking about. If that keeps him sidelined for some time, there goes your backup big. There goes your rebounder. There goes your your screen setter. There goes your size. Um, Portland doesn't have the most reliable starting center. And that's just another thing that then Joe Cronin has to go in and figure out is who's going to be a backup big. We already needed another center. We already need another side, another, another big man, whether it's a four or five or just a straight five. I mean, that's just like another thing that he has to add to his to-do list. It's just like you're working and you get that, that, the email at 4.58 PM. You're like, fuck, I don't want to have to deal with this. I want to go home for the for the day. Well, that came in at 4.58. Now he he's got to deal with it. So um really rough for the, the Blazers. It just seems like it's it's been bad all around. But they play the games for a reason, and I do think the Blazers will get a chance to get some, to get some wins uh, this, this week. Sage, let's look at the upcoming schedule for the Blazers this week. They have a home-and-home, home, back-to-back, Tuesday against the red hot Phoenix Suns followed up Wednesday against the Memphis Grizzlies Friday, the Charlotte Hornets come to town and then Portland hits the road for a quick two game trip. Uh, we will discuss the Sunday game against the Memphis Grizzlies as well. Zage, so, let's talk about Phoenix. It's a team that Portland is one and one against. They caught them early in the year, just destroyed them by 29. I mean, looking back that that's probably the, one of the best wins the of best the season. One, yeah. mm-hmm. They also lost by 10, on November 10th in Phoenix. This is a Phoenix team that just got done winning 18 straight. They're 21 and four on the season, nine and two away from the Valley of the Sun, and they've won two straight. They are playing fantastic offense. They're playing fantastic defense. They just have things clicking on all cylinders. Even when DeAndre Ayton has been in and out of the lineup. They've gotten contributions. I know Frank Kaminsky damn near had a career high against us back on November 10th. And he's hurt. Uh, He's out for a while. Yeah, JaVale McGee's been playing fantastic basketball. Yep. Uh, Sage, what are you looking for in, in this game, especially with Portland still probably going to be without Cody and CJ for the week? Actually, they will be without both those players for the week, so assume that.
1: I think Devin Booker, this is his opportunity to really put some pressure on us. I mean, with with the Suns, it's really Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Like Mikhail Bridges is having is a bad year. Is he going to be
0: playing? Uh, who? Book. Is he? Did he get COVID? No, he had that hamstring injury in that first Warriors game, so he's been out since uh, December first.
1: Oh, really? Man, maybe, but I mean, it's really about the the master of the pick and roll, Chris Paul. Then, so I I. I Maybe Book will be back, but it's, it's it's those two carrying most of the weight. The rest of those guys just fit those two so well. So if Book's out, it's Chris Paul. If those both are back, I, I think that we're going to have problems with, with those two. But I mean, if, if DeAndre Ayton's playing, the pick and roll is going to be devastating. I mean, JaVale McGee can run the pick. He showed that he can run the pick and roll as well. But what uh, what scares me the most is Chris Paul and potentially Devin Booker if he's back.
0: I think for me, what scares me is is that bench. They've got one of the I mean, it's one campaign. of the campaign Yeah, campaign is probably one of the best success stories where he basically was out of the league, worked his way back in during the bubble with the Suns and has turned himself into one of the best backup point guards in, in the game. Cam's great. Cam Johnson. I mean, they they combined for 33 points in their blowout victory of the Celtics, and they did that with, without Book and without um, DeAndre Ayton. Like they, they are just Monty Williams has got that that machine humming along. They've got defenders that they can throw at at Dame Lillard. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Portland guards that pick and roll because. We've got carved up on teams that know how to move the basketball. And Chris Paul is one of the best lob throwers in history. They've got a great threat in JaVale McGee. And then they've got two amazing three-point shooters in Bridges and Crowder on, on the wing. So it, it it's, it's probably the toughest task in all of basketball right now. Like If you're Portland, this is the last team I think you want to see coming into your home gym.
1: And the fact that we don't change coverages that much, that's just going to be so easy for Chris Paul to take advantage of. Like you got to throw numerous stuff at Chris Paul to get him to think if we're just going to do the defense that he's seen and carved up in the past, then what are we doing? If we can't adapt to literally the best point guard of a generation or two, we're, we're, we're going to have some real difficult troubles.
0: Up next is the Memphis Grizzlies, a team that is hurt with the COVID protocol. Uh, John Morant, I don't know if he will be playing this week, but they have continued to win. Isn't his knee still bothering? Uh, I'm not sure about his knee. I just know it's, he's in health and safety protocols. He got COVID. I mean, you could,
1: uh, that injury looked bad, so I assume that he won't be there. And
0: I mean, Memphis didn't, is didn't, uh, 16 and uh, 11. Yeah. Didn't JJJ? Uh, he got get, hurt as well. He yeah. did not play in their last game.
1: So, Memphis is now winning in multiple ways before with John Morant being great and, you know, Desmond Bain being really consistent, Jaron Jackson when he's not fouling out in 10 minutes, putting up a lot of stats, but John Morant as an individual defender isn't good. So their defensive ratings have all gone through the roof. They're just playing and winning in different ways now. Um, If Dylan Brooks is playing because he – the last game he was a potential, like he went from doubtful to probable. He, the played, he
0: he led them in scoring. He had 25 on yes, 17 he did. shots against the Rockets.
1: His usage is absolutely astronomical, especially with John Morant's out. So the players that we really have to watch out for, Desmond Bain, who carved us up in the first meeting against Memphis, Dylan Brooks, who has never met a shot he didn't like, and then Jaron Jackson Jr., those are the three usage players now that John Moran is out.
0: This game's going to be all about intensity and the, the effort that Portland brings. It's going to be a back-to-back for Portland at home. Memphis, who knows who they have, but the one thing you know a Memphis Grizzly team will bring is that grit and that grind. I think nobody really embodies it on their roster quite like Dylan Brooks. I mean, they've got players who just have been overlooked and, and underestimated. And, you know, Xavier Tillman's back in the rotation. Steven Adams uh, has never met a, a game that he doesn't love playing. He He's out there just bruising. Kyle Anderson's getting a chance to shine now. Uh, he damn near had a triple-double. Um, against if you could
1: the... put Dylan Brooks' mentality in Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons would be the best player in the NBA.
0: I think what I'm going to be looking for, aside from just the intangibles of the the energy the Blazers bring, is how, so with Portland, without Cody Zeller, they're already small. You're going to play another small guard in Dennis Smith and Ben McLemore with CJ out. How are they going to match up against the Kyle Anderson, the Dylan Brooks, the Desmond Bain? Uh, that's going to be difficult. It's going to be a tough task for, for the Blazer guards this week because they're going to see them twice.
1: Yeah, and the, just think about the bigs, the rotation of bigs, like Steven Adams and JJJ, uh, Xavier Tillman uh shit what who's the brandon clark i was about to say brandon cooks um that, that it's just an assembly line of good solid bigs to throw out of. and the fact that we don't have a backup center that's over 610 is a is very problematic for the portland trailblazers against a team
0: like memphis so we discussed memphis we play them twice this week but sandwich in between that memphis game is a Another matchup against the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte defeated Portland early on in the season um, on the East Coast, led by Kelly Oubre. This is another matchup in this COVID era where I don't know who is going to be involved. Charlotte had a pretty massive outbreak. You know, you spoke about LaMilla Ball, uh, Terry Rozier. I believe Mason Plumlee is hurt. Is Smith just got it. But when I looked Uh, at their their last game. Richards also got it. When I looked at their last game against the, the Kings in which they won.
1: That was the most horrific basketball game I've ever seen.
0: Did they you see still...
1: did you see what happened? No, but I they intentionally fouled De'Aaron Fox, uh who was the game winner if they if De'Aaron made him, he bricked both
0: and it went to overtime. There was, was no like, defense. i was still to looking be at the roster and I was like, This they have NBA talent. Like Portland yeah. can't overlook them. Uh Cody Miles Bridges. Player. Has had a most improved player type of season. You got Gordon Hayward, who is a previous All Star, uh, Kelly Oubre, who I discussed uh, earlier, basically had a, a game to remember against Portland early on. So, yeah, Cody. We also are, have a like promising Judy. rookie of uh, rookie, a James Booknight. So, yeah, he's I mean, finally this, getting. This finished. is an NBA team. Like Portland mm-hmm. can't just expect to to show up and, and defeat them. You know, I would expect them to, but fastest pace in the
1: league too. So. Are we going to be able to match their speed? Fastest pace, worst defensive team. So this might be a get right game for Dame.
0: Oh yeah, um, who's who's going to guard Dame if, if you know they're depleted and not trotting out anyone really? I ever. mean,
1: dude, did you look at who the bigs were in that Kings game? Vernon Carey and, and uh, J T. Thor. Fuck Vernon Carey, I dude. When Nick Richards got COVID, I was like, oh baby, Vernon Carey and in all my rosters. Dude, have like eight point three rebounds and a turnover. Uh, played like fifteen minutes. I think it was JT Thor, whoever that is, that played a majority of the minutes in that uh, that Kings game that was just an like the worst thing I've ever seen. But yeah, the, the the Hornets play at a really fast clip, really bad defenders. I think Dame, if Dame is going to play, he is going to have a pretty nice game again. Like this is the easiest matchup for a guard to go off especially without lamelo and terry if they're indeed out. I mean, it, you're going to have to look at the injury report heavy on on the, on the day that we play the hornets. It's, there's just no way to know who's playing. But Cody Martin, shout out to him. He is fucking he's produced. He's produced a lot. So to go from, you know, someone that nobody wanted to a guy that's putting up some really nice numbers, good for him. And all that right. is all the teams, right? Yeah.
0: That that wraps up this episode. Sage, so, hey, you want to let our fans know where they can find us?
1: We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio, and uh, be good to each other. Um, happy holidays to everybody, and we're out here.
0: Ooh, got that in right before my computer's about to die.
1: Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, Hey.